Today on the podcast, we welcome my wife, Kim Nielsen, back. And we are going to have a conversation about marriage. And we've been married for 22 and a half years. And I thought it'd be good for us just to reflect on things that we've learned, um, principles that we put into practice in our marriage that have really blessed us. And uh, we share a lot about ways that we've struggled and ways that we are growing. God has led the way by his word and his spirit. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. Here's my first question for you and for us, I guess. Um, What would you go back and say to your 23-year-old self about marriage? You should have prepped me. No. Um, Spontaneity is, is the foundation for profundity. Or not. I think my 23-year-old self, um, I think I would have encouraged me, us, to offer grace more frequently to one another, um, to meditate on grace, and to have fun. Like... Um, I think we really wanted to get it right. Um, especially my 23 year old self wanted to get it right, which is really good. Um, but I think there was pressure in that too. And so things seemed bigger because it's like, you just wanted to get it right. Um, versus like, this is, this is where God has us now. Let's enjoy this. And focus on getting to know each other better and having, having, enjoying one another. Maybe that's enjoying each other is maybe better than fun. Yeah, that's good. Can you unpack a little bit like the, the statement, be more grace filled with each other? Like, were we not grace filled with each other or what what is that? Like, what are you picturing when you think back to like when we were first married and, what what were we then and and as opposed to maybe what are we now if now is more grace filled we were not as grace filled back then but i mean i mean that sounds like the implication of what you're saying and i i think i agree but what does that actually look like in practice like what which is like taking things too seriously everything like was a a hill to die on that kind of thing yeah i think so um it's it I'm just trying to remember it's been a long time <laughs> um so I'm kind of trying to remember my mindset and what you know what kind of caught us off guard maybe a little bit or or just our frequent conversations what what did we conflict on and how how has that changed and I think um I do remember you saying um like Kim you need to pick your battles and I would say, oh, oh, I am. <laughs> you don't realize how much I'm not saying. And so I think even just that, like there were a lot of things as we were, you know, living together for the first time and getting to know one another, seeing life differently, having different styles of how we do things. Um, I think the non-essentials felt bigger than they needed to, to, um, because they weren't necessarily huge sin issues 
I don't think that sin issues needed to be less big, but just those preferences or styles, um, I think that ended up feeling more personal, like, well, you, you don't want to do it my way, or you don't want to talk about it because you don't love me <laughs> or something, you know, like, you know, we, I think we just, we didn't necessarily give each other the benefit of the doubt or, um, we just talked we talked through a lot of stuff um, and there was some benefits in that. But I think for me, I probably needed, I did need to pray through things more frequently and for longer periods of time before deciding, hey, this is an issue we need to talk through. Yeah, that's good. I'm trying to think what I would go back and say to myself. I think a lot of that, um, I think similar feelings is what you're articulating. Like I remember just everything feeling like a big deal and everything was like super intense at all times. And, um, you know, as you get older, you just get more perspective. And I think suffering like chips away at our pride and, and, you know, you know, it helps us to be more gracious in terms of the, like, I am not the center of the universe. God is, and so he's going to handle it. So I don't have to handle all of it. And, and suffering, I think, really produces that. And so a lot of this stuff you just can't program in. Um, it comes with age and it comes with just experience. But um, like, yeah, I think I would look back and just say to that 23-year-old kid, like, just chill out. Like, it's going to be okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think we were trained to figure out so many things. Right. So you're trying to figure out marriage, but we're also trying to figure out what are we doing with our lives? Where are we living? You know, um, we just again, we were young, so we were just fresh out of college. Um, for me, it was like, yeah, we were just trying to figure out what what's the next step. And then we were in pretty intense like educational phases and, you know, new jobs, all that kind of stuff in those early years. And so. I think part of that is just you don't have to have it all figured out right now. Like be faithful where you're at, be faithful with each other um, and all the marriage things too. Like it doesn't have to be figured out necessarily right now. You're going to have a lot of years to be figuring it out. So yeah, just chill is a good two words. Yeah. And I think another thing I would say, and I think we did do this, but I would still commend it to uh, anybody that's, newer in their marriage or even not newer in their marriage, but, um, just seeking counsel, you know, and we, I think we tried to do that when we ran up against problems, but yeah, just seeking counsel from those that have gone before and, um, being open to just hearing, um, you know, just there's wisdom here that I don't have that I need to receive. And, uh, I think that's really important. Like I'm, I'm not going to isolate us and our problems, but we're free in the gospel, uh, to have nothing to hide, nothing to lose, nothing to prove, nothing to defend. And so we can talk to people about ways that we're struggling. I would add too, like, I think the just chill, um, wouldn't be good for like, that's not a necessarily a transferable concept for all couples. It's not super helpful. Um, <laughs> for, for us, it was, Hey, we're, we don't have to deal with every single issue every single time. And you know, 
at nauseum. Um, and like, but because we were working through things and talking through things, but there's some people who probably need to do that more and make sure they're communicating with one another and working through conflict. I think it's more, the just chill is like, as you're working through conflict, don't, um, emotionally take that and, and extrapolate that to like, this is going to be my whole life. (laughs) Or, um, I think we were just intense in how we worked through conflict, but we should have been working through conflict. Um, and it, I think just to do that with more of that growth mindset of, you know, we're secure in our identity in Christ. We're secure in our love for one another. We're secure in the sovereignty that God has brought us together. And so we're going to work through this. Um, and so it's, that just chill isn't like, hey, don't work through things. It's more of just how the intensity with which we did it. Yeah, we're not sweeping stuff under the rug, but um, everything's not at stake at all times, you know? Yes. <laughs> so on the topic of getting other people involved, though, um, can you share, and I can share too, but those times when we felt like we needed to get a third party involved and what was it about whatever we were experiencing where it became clear, like, yeah, we need to get a third party involved here. I mean, some of my like fondest memories, not related to conflict or anything that we were dealing with, but just having those friends that were one or two years older or had been married one or two years longer than us. Like, you had Eric Weaver on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. They were some of those friends. And I just remember asking them questions. Um, I don't, I remember a couple, like we talked about sex with them. <laughs> I remember. And um, we probably talked about conflict and, you know, just lots of different things. But I just remember that was, that was really rich. And I learned just by having conversations with them and asking them questions about their marriage or if they ran into things and how they dealt with that. Um, I think we, uh, sex was one area that was pretty hard for us for a number of years. And so we did, that was one area where we talked not only to peers, but those who were, you know, 15, 20 years ahead of us and who had a lot more experience and a lot more experience with just giving wisdom to other people as well and hearing other stories. And so I think that, that was, I think one of the wisest things we did. Um, and not just one couple, but just a few that we really trusted. Um, I think conflict, you know, we just had various times where we felt like we, we were just stuck. And so, um, again, that those, there was a couple older wiser couples that I think we could go to that we had built relationships and that we could just bring things before them and say, what do you think? How do you, um, yeah, where do you have advice for us? Um, just hearing from them, having them pray for us. Yeah, the word stuck, I think, is the transferable concept to, to kind of know when is it time to get somebody involved. And that could be someone who has letters behind their name in terms of counseling in a professional sense. It could be you know, biblical counseling like we do here at the church. Um, you can go back and listen to uh, one of the early episodes with Laurel where we break all that down. It could be someone in your city group. It could be a pastor, elder. It could be a city group leader. 
um, there's different people that can address different needs. But the question I think that most people wonder is like, well, when is it time to get someone involved? And if you're wondering, it's probably the time because there's really not much of a downside. You know what I mean? And when I hear the word stuck, what makes me think of, that makes me think of like a pattern. Like there's a pattern emerging here. It's not just like, well, we had a little tiff and we slept on it and it didn't even like matter the next day. But like there's a pattern that's emerging. And I feel like that's where we, you know, I remember like year three, we met with a a pastor at the church where I was working because we just had conflict that we just couldn't seem like we could navigate very well on our own, just in general. And then it seems like there was a moment like at year five that was significant and then, um, but, but yeah, it's that, it's those patterns that makes me think, um, yeah, it, there's wisdom in, in, uh, seeking counsel and the, Pro- the book of Proverbs and the Bible speaks so much about that. Yeah. And I, I think it was, I do think we did it. We had a lot of people in our lives, so we had, were already involved in community. That was key so that you had people you, who knew us, who knew both of us, um, and who we knew the advice that they would give. So we were sure this was, they would pray with us that it would be a, a you know, biblical advice. Not that it, we took everything. Um, but I think that's key when you're going to someone like, um, will they offer w- wisdom? Am I coming for wisdom or am I just coming to rant? Um, and, and so th- kind of checking your own heart, like, cause peers, yeah, our said group leaders, um, can do that too, but you just want to make sure it's with those people who are going to speak truth to you, even if it's hard to hear, um, and and not just kind of tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, the the ranting concept is one that I I'd love to explore because we've talked about this a lot with younger couples over the years of the importance of not running off to your girlfriends or your guy friends or whatever, and just um, basically gossiping about your spouse. Like you would never want to say something about your spouse that you wouldn't say to them in person. Like I say that a lot when we're counseling younger couples. Like if I were to find out that Kim was sharing things about her feelings about me with one of her girlfriends that she hadn't already expressed to me or wasn't intending to express to me, or hearing from those girlfriends, now, you, it, now you've told it to me, now you need to go talk to your husband about it. Um, if that were, if that wasn't happening, like that would be so hurtful to me. Like that's a, that's a hiding from each other, which is the first, um, you know, the, one of the first sins in the garden is they hide. And that's not God's will for our marriages. But there is a place for other relationships, right? And um, if I'm your only confidant, like there's gonna be limitations, um, and so oh, what? You have no limitations. <laughs> um, but you know, we we've talked about that in the past. Can you expound on what that means for us? Yeah, I mean, I think again, what you said is, you know, we don't want to hide. I don't want to be saying things that I wouldn't tell you. But you have a different 
You have a different level of emotions than I do. I don't know if anybody well, who could, knows us could You could talk about that. when we had the miscarriage. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking too of like, um, so we miscarried after we had our first child, Taylor. Um, we got pregnant about two years later and um, miscarried fairly early on. I was within first trimester. Um, but that was, it was hard for you. I mean, we both grieved but you, um, you did process through that. You process through life, you know, life differently. Um, I am a v- more of a verbal processor, and I think my emotions to having a baby and grieving that baby were a lot um, different, and I need to process that grief just longer um, and in different ways. And and so it's not that we wouldn't do that together, but there was a time where you just said, I think it would be helpful if you talk to your friend Chadley. And um, so just having other people to process that through with, um, but not at the expense of our unity or being able to do that together. And then I think that also freed me from putting that solely on you, that there were other people walking with me, praying with me, um, yeah, and just speaking truth to me, speaking comfort. Um, and, and I think that's a really good thing. And it's also how you don't put your spouse and add pressure onto your spouse to say exactly the right thing at exactly the right time all of the time. Um, so I think we've done that in a variety of instances. Yeah. And, and the, the challenge is we're called on the one hand, we're called to be one flesh and no hiding. And, uh, you know, yeah, we just don't hide from each other. We don't sweep things under the rug, but neither one of us is equipped all in ourselves to meet all of the emotional needs of the other person. And typically, now this isn't always the case, but generally speaking, women have usually a deeper desire for a deep emotional connection than, than men. And so oftentimes we'll hear this from women, especially like my husband just has a hard time connecting with me emotionally. And, and so we'll talk about strategies and how to lay down your life for one another and all that. But there may come a point where it's just like, he doesn't have the same, um, he doesn't have the same mental equipment that you have and that your other girlfriends have. Um, Same emotional equipment is probably better said. And so it might be unrealistic to expect him to um, respond in the way that maybe you see in the perfect romantic comedy or something. Like, that's not realistic. Um, So it's like this both-and thing of, like, we're not going to hide from each other, but we don't have unrealistic expectations of each other. And it's okay to go and have coffee or, or a glass of wine with, with a girlfriend. And, and it's not at the expense of your oneness with your husband, but it's just a different angle on connection that's important. And that's, and that's okay. It would be really dangerous, though, if every time there was a deep emotional need that you had, that you just bypassed your husband and didn't even give him a shot and just went straight to your girlfriend. Um, that would be counter uh, productive to your oneness right or if I'm constantly comparing you know um I think this is true of all friendships like I mean marriage is a deeper hopefully your deepest friendship but like we can do with this with our other friendships as well 
where I'm placing really too much um, weight on one particular friend or friendship in general. Like it's not going to meet all of my needs. I mean, first and foremost, you should, I mean, that should be Christ. And there's some cries that don't get um, handled or assuaged. I don't know what the word is, but um, by any human, right? I just, um, those are groanings that are too deep for words. And, um, and really only God meets those, those needs and walks with us in those deepest places. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I think I also like those friendships and who you're going to, what I've, what we've seen both in our lives, but in other people's too. You want those to be people who, when I go to them, they also encourage me to be closer with my spouse and not us drifting apart. And so often when I'm talking with my girlfriends who are really um, speaking truth and who are wise and godly women themselves, I want to, I get ideas for how to love you better. I get ideas for communicating with you. Um, I get ideas even in how to use a tone or specific words and how to communicate better with you um, instead of the opposite. And so um, by talking and um, communicating with other friends, it should it should in one sense draw you closer to your spouse in the end, not further apart. Yeah, that's really good. Can you think of um, people who have a marriage that you really, really respect? And um, why is it that you, what is it about those folks that makes you really respect the marriage that they have? Yeah, I mean, I think... Again, I feel blessed that we have people who are um, both our peers and a little bit older than us and younger, actually, of we have good models um, that we can go to. Um, I don't know if we're naming names, but um, I think the marriages, there's a couple that I think of in their 60s and 70s. There's a couple marriages where I just, we've talked about like, that's what we want to be like when we're that age. And just a sweetness with one another. Um, again, still kind of a fun, maybe a little flirty, sometimes still um, encouraging. They encourage one another. Um, I think they're marriages where I do see them speaking truth to one another, mm-hmm. where it's there's a safety there, but they know like, if I'm in error, this person is going to call me out gently, lovingly, but truthfully, truthfully. Mm -hmm. Um, and I see them really seeking to serve one another still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I can imagine some folks maybe hearing that, and having that just land on them as a discouragement. Like, I don't know if that's even possible. Like we've been in this eight, nine, you know, there's the, there's the term, the seven year itch for a reason. And we've seen that, you know, year seven, it's like, if things aren't, aren't going well, you know, about seven years, you've had it, you know, and it's like, things are going to change or something's going to 
someone's going to go crazy or something, you know. Um, but, you know, maybe somebody's hearing this 8, 9, 10, 11 years in or so, and they're just like, man, our marriage is just a struggle. I can't imagine being in our 60s or 70s and having a sweetness to our marriage. Like, what would you say to encourage them? I think it's never too late. Um, some of the things we talked about earlier, just like having people to walk alongside with you can be really helpful. Have people that um, can see things in you and speak truth to you. Um, I think a lot of it comes in the humility of, of the gospel. Like, am I willing to be transformed and am I willing, or am I just kind of like stuck in how I want it, when I want it and this is, or, or in expectations even. So I think the first thing is maybe like, are my expectations of what marriage is off or, um, are there patterns that we've developed that are just not healthy and those take work and the longer you've been in it and the longer those patterns are grained, ingrained, I think it takes work a longer, um, of working at it and trying to, um, but God is a God of change. And so there can be newness. Um, we had, I don't know what year that was. It was probably about seven, um, yeah, in Nashville where we, um, just had a lot of conflict. Again, we had, oftentimes it's, you've got little kids too. And so, um, I felt like that was a turning point for us. And there was a newness, a new direction and a, and, uh, um, like let's, let's figure out how to do this different. A lot of it was how we were communicating. Um, and so, so yeah, there's, there's hope and it's, I mean, there's, what's the alternative, you right. know? Um, and so I would say now's the time to, to start working at it and there will be blessing on the other side. Anything that's worth it is going to take a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's always a, a blessing and a fruit and a sweetness. And so even in these marriages that we were talking about in our own marriage or the, you know, in the two couples that I'm thinking of their sixties and then went some in their close to seventies. Um, I know that it's been, they've worked at things right. a lot. It's not always been easy or just like natural. I think that's the movies is like, well, you just, it just falls together. And if you right. find your soulmate, then you just, forever and ever right. go on, you know but it's like these couples have really worked um for a lot of years and developed good habits and that's what brought the sweetness yeah i agree yeah there's the there's the whole image of well we just fell in love and then it's like well we just fell out of love and in some ways i think that language falling in love i i relate to falling out of love just more sounds like um, maybe just a slow decline because we failed to realize that marriage is work. Like um, falling in love isn't hard work, but staying in love is. And so if you're not putting that work in, um, you'll wake up one day and realize, yeah, maybe I have fallen out of love. But I think one of the things that we would both say because everybody has different problems and everybody has different issues and there's no one size fits all, but 
if you're thinking like, where do I even start? I think what we already talked about is just asking for help. I mean, the Lord asked that of us. He says, come to me and uh, cast your anxieties on me because I care for you. And so the, the Bible assumes that we have to ask for help from him. And the Bible assumes that we're going to ask for help from one another in, in the local church, you know, just the one another's of the new Testament. And so where do you start? Well, I don't know where you're going to end up, but I know that, um, where you start, you're just asking for help from the Lord and from others is, is really, really good. It's, it's prayer, it's Bible and it's seeking wise counsel. The other thing I would say is, yeah, like I said, everybody's problems are different, but I think what we have seen um, and not to like broad brush anything or to over, I hate oversimplifications, but I think this is true. Amidst the complex complexity of everybody's problems, especially if you've been married, you know, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, and you're like, man, this is just really challenging still. The thing that we've really noticed is a common denominator is a lack of humility. And you already kind of talked about it, like, I'm really, at the end of the day, I'm committed to me and my way. Um, and if you have two people that are operating in that way, it's just never going to work. It's just not. But the beauty of what God does in our hearts is he gives us a selfless orientation in light of how he was selfless towards us. And you get two people that are willing to basically desire to pursue selflessness and not selfishness and you can weather a lot of storms it's never gonna be perfect but i just feel like pride humility is is the key you know in some ways and that's that's just consistent with what the bible says yeah i um i was just reading in philippians it reminds me of i mean it's this you know, it's the classic um, Christ example of humility. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest in others. And this for me was the key. It says, having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then, you know, who didn't, and it gives him as an example of doing this. But I, I just loved that phrase this morning of which is yours in Christ Jesus. Even though we need to grow in humility, I need to grow in looking at the interest of others, having the same mind, being of one accord. Um, it, it is mine already in Christ. And so, um, so I think that should be an encouragement. It's also that like, I need to grow in that from one to, you know, like we're being transformed into this. Um, I think one of the things is, um, humility does, um, is one, I can ask forgiveness. I can ask forgiveness of God, but also um, of my spouse um, when I do fail. And then I can extend that grace because I know 
I fail. And so when my spouse fails and hurts me or when you, I guess I don't have to say my spouse, (laughs) um, um, you know, I can, I can forgive because again, I, I know that, um, that's who I am in, you know, without Christ as well. And so offering, um, it, it lowers the defenses, um, and it, and it helps us to extend grace when we inevitably do fail. Um, the other thing that I was thinking of as I talk, you know, I think about our marriage and I think about especially other women that I've talked to is we're not a slave to our emotions. So the idea of like falling in and out, or I just, um, I'm supposed to respect my husband, but I, I just don't really right now. Um, you know, I, I have, I don't know if you know this, but I have had times of that before. Um, and again, that's not always helpful for me to come to and be like, I'm having a hard time respecting you right now. Um, but I can, one, I pray through that because ultimately this comes for me, this is a trust issue in, am I going to trust God that, um, regardless of what happened, he's sovereign. He brought us together. So this is a trust issue with the Lord. And then two, like my emotions come and go and I'm not a slave to my emotions. They're not the, I mean, sometimes they're, they're important. I'm not saying ignore your emotions. Um, but I can often change them with what I set my mind on. And so I think of the, you know, take every thought captive. And that for me, I think in marriage has been really essential of the, you know, are we falling in love or are we staying in love? Are we growing together? Um, oftentimes it's dependent. My feelings are dependent on what I've been setting my mind on. And so I think taking every thought captive, sometimes asking for help for others to do that. What help me find truth here? Um, help me find where we need to grow. Um, but in ultimately, I think the best thing for our marriage has been each of us in humility, submitting before the Lord first, seeking truth and seeking to fill our minds with truth found in scripture. Yeah, that's really good, babe. Um, let's talk about just some of those practices that we've seen bear a lot of fruit over the years. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned in this conversation that, you know, marriages work and it's not always easy, but I would say that, um, I'm just thankful that like, it feels like I'm more in love with you than I was for sure. 22 and a half years ago. And that just didn't happen overnight. That didn't happen just, you know, by chance. Um, this isn't a praise us because, you know, the Lord leads us, you know, down the path of, of, of righteousness towards humility and, and all of that. Um, he gets the credit. But there are things that we've chosen to try to be intentional on. We haven't been perfect with these, but we try to be intentional with certain things. And if you, as you think of themes... Like, what are some of those themes that, again, not, it doesn't happen overnight, but over years that you put those into practice and it seems like it yields fruit? Yeah. Um, there's a number that come to mind. First, um, I think just individual quiet times. So 
we tried to do like a couple's quiet time and it, it, again, for some people that worked really well, um, for us, I think to have kind of individual time with the Lord and then talk about it. Um, I think that's been a pattern that over the years has really grown us together. Um, and then date night, you want to talk about date nights? Yeah. I mean, we try to make it a priority on our calendar and when our kids were littler, we had to be much more regimented and strict or else just the, um, the chaos and the physical demands of existing with four small kids would just kind of swallow everything up. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's a, it's a super simple thing. We're just going to maybe go out for dinner. Maybe we'll swap with another family that has kids the same age and they'll go one week. We'll go the next week and save some money on childcare or just pay for a babysitter every week. If you can, it's worth it. It's a, it's a money well, well spent. And I think it's really good communication non-verbally for your kids to see that you've made marriage a priority. And, um, so that's like a tangential benefit of, of that. Yeah. And then I think, um, I think that's, that's so true because we can say marriage is important. Marriage is important, but if we don't ever prioritize our marriage, then our, our kids are going to think, what? Oh, it's not, you know? Um, so to model that, I think with your finances too, I was just going to emphasize that I was thinking the same exact thing that if you can swap, that's great. But having, being able to hire someone, um, you mean like a date night swap? Oh, yeah, like a date night swap with another couple. Um, But, uh, you know, that can get tricky sometimes, too. There's often like someone has a sick kid if you've got multiple kids. And um, so that can be really fun. Um, But but again, prioritizing your finances so that you at least sometimes, you know, are able to get out. Your date nights don't have to be super expensive either. Um, but I think that's one thing, a pattern that we tried to do is, um, even when we didn't have the ability to do date night swaps or didn't have family, you know, we haven't had family in town, um, to take care of kids, but, um, prioritizing part of our budget to go towards date night, whether that's babysitting or, you know, even now, just if we're going to go out having that budgeted in, um, so it happens and, and then it's not stressful when it happens either because it's just part of the plan. Yeah, and I think the other thing that has borne fruit over the years, and it's kind of the flip side of what we talked about earlier, where early on in our marriage we had a lot of conflict. The good side of that is we were not sweeping stuff under the rug. There was a lot of things on the rug. There was no sweeping <laughs> under the rug. It was all the mess was on top. <laughs> And so that can be a great thing. That can be a bad thing, depending on how, depending on how you handle it. And we didn't handle it in very mature ways because we weren't very mature back then. And we still have the propensity sometimes to not handle it very well. But one of the things I'm most thankful, most thankful for about you is that, um, you don't, um, yeah, you just don't sweep stuff under the rug and you want us to deal with it. And we've seen in marriages where things get stuffed 
and we just don't deal with things. And there's deep emotions that just don't get talked about. And for a variety of reasons, that just establishes a pattern of bitterness or resentment um, that can be really debilitating at time, at times. And, and it can just, that'll make you feel like if you have years of that, where things just get suppressed and not dealt with and it's hiding from each other, um, that will um, be toxic in your marriage. And so oftentimes that side leads to passive aggressive. And if you have personalities that are different than that, we, we call it aggressive aggressive. So it's like either your flight or your fight, either your turn on the ice or it's just like enraged and incensed all the time. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is just fighting for fighting in the good sense, um, striving for the, the third way. And I feel like we've been committed to that over the years where we're not going to sweep stuff under the rug and we're, we are going to deal with this a lot. Sometimes maybe, you know, we need to just chill out and let this one go. We've already talked about that, but just that commitment to we are going to deal with this. And, um, and sometimes, you know, we need to think about it for three, four, five days, and that's okay. But there's a commitment from you and I think from me that like if we let this go and just suppress things, we've seen where that becomes toxic in marriage over months and years. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the keys in that is um, we're not, we don't have to be adversaries. That there's, I'm for you, you're for me. And so when we deal with things to deal with it, again, it's that taking the thoughts captive, like what is true, we're one. And so if I'm trying to just win, you know, aggressive, aggressive, I just want, you know, um, to get my way or I won't submit or um, I won't ask for forgiveness if I'm wrong, you know, um, it's, it's, I'm damaging myself too, because we're one. And so there's no like... I won, you lose. It's like we either both win or we both lose. That's really and good. So Preach I, that. I think just remembering that we need to be for one another. And so if there's something that needs to be said, um, then it can come in, in love. I mean, in love, like I care too much about you to not say this or to not, you know, if it's something right. that's a sin issue or conflict or, you know, this hurt my feelings. Um, the way you said this, this is how I took it. Did you mean it that way? You know, um, those kinds of things, those can be really helpful, especially if we're coming, if we remember that we're for one another. Um, one of, can I, mm-hmm. one of the things, um, and this is a pattern that I think developed over time because you let out well and you were really intentional on our date nights just not to to at least spend a portion of those um asking questions and um I think you know initially it felt kind of awkward but you would always say what am I doing well what's one thing sometimes it was like what's one thing about communication or what's you know there would be a topic that you would like me to change um Maybe it was, oh, go ahead. Well, I think what you're getting at is um, 
the what do you see in my life kind of conversation. Right? Yeah, but you would do it in a sense. Um, it was directed towards marriage, you know, and then it was like, then it was going to be my turn to ask the same question. Yeah, is there anything know? that I'm doing that you want me to not do or, or anything that I'm not doing that I need to start doing? Yeah. Or anything I'm doing that you really like that you want me to keep doing. Right. Um, and, and, you know, over time we haven't been as formalized with that, but because we did that so much and regularly and you mm-hmm. initiated that, um, it became just kind of. I don't want to say habit, like a bad habit, but it just became part of, of what we do. And so, but it establishes a freedom. Yeah. Initially that was really important to formalize it. So it would happen. And then, um, I think we needed that time so that we could do it and not be defensive when we were talking about things. Right. I think that's one of the biggest things that has changed our marriage over the years is the ability to look at each other and say, you know, I love you. And, this is an issue that I see in your life that I think you should really consider. And, and man, when you say those things to me, like I'm, I'm all ears because I I can't think of a time when you were wrong, you know? And the assumption is that I have blinders and I'm not omniscient about myself, but you live with me, you know, everything about me. Um, and you have a perspective that I don't have. And so it would just be foolish for me to just close my ears and be like, no, forget you. Like, how how dare you tell me that I need to change anything? Well, it's like, how did you become a Christian in the first place then? If you have nothing that needs to change, if you don't have any sin issues that need to be worked through. So it's like saying you're a Christian is kind of, and being defensive in that kind of conversation with a spouse is very peculiar, right? Because we have to be honest with the Lord about our sin. Why would I be surprised when my wife or my husband comes to me and has and says, hey, I love you, but I'm seeing a sin issue in your life that I really want you to consider? Yeah, it doesn't mean it's easy to hear. Right. Um, but just because, again, something's not easy doesn't mean I shouldn't do it or it's not true. Amen. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Those have been some of our richest times. And there are times too that we say that to one another and we just say, can, can we talk? Like I'm having a rough day. Can we talk about this again? Right. And again, so that timing is important and being able to say, you know, maybe I can't address that exactly right now, but we will get to it. And so again, it's done in that gracious way with some patience. Right. And I think of too, like Hebrews three talks about encourage one another daily. Now he's writing to the, to a church and his assumption is that um, the church needs one another. We have to have a culture of encouragement in the church. But, hey, you and I both are members of the vine, you know. And so um, we should be encouraging each other just for that reason alone. But, you know, how much more because we're married. And when there's a culture of encouragement, in my experience, it's so much easier to have a culture of correction or a culture of, hey, I got something I, I just feel like I need to share with you because I've been observing it. I'm not sure. You're probably not aware. Maybe you are. But can we talk about this? Um, that kind of conversation is so much easier when there's a culture of encouragement. Why? Because a culture of encouragement communicates, man, this person loves me. You know, they're for me. They're not at odds. I've got like some some money in the bank that I can draw upon um, that my mind can 
can remember that, oh yeah, they encouraged me here, 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 and here. Yeah, I know. They're not out to get me. Yeah. And so when you do that in your marriage, it can make those hard conversations that are so necessary and so um, formative just make those conversations so, go so much easier. And I think that's why if you set this year after year, you know, and these patterns, I don't want to say habits, but um, again, it gets almost easier because you have, you have that. I know that. And so when you say, I love you, I love you too much. And, you know, to not say this, I feel more loved because we've walked through more and more of those times. And so I, I know there's a faithfulness there. Um, and I, and I know that you've been wise and that you've, you know, you've walked with me even in my faults. You've seen me at my best and at my worst and you're still sticking around. I guess. So, um, so yeah. So I think again, if you can, that's where the fruit gets richer and sweeter as you, as you do this more and more yep. over the years. Amen. Well, Kim, this has been a great conversation. I think we can wrap it up right here. But you're our uh, first repeat guest. It's quite the privilege. It is. Well, thanks for coming and uh, sharing so many ways that um, I respect you have come out in this conversation. And thanks for sharing that with um, the church. So we really appreciate you. Appreciate you too. Thanks for doing this. Thank you.